the Great British Manufacturing Podcast, brought to you by MTD, MFD and Jefferson. Hello and welcome to this week's Great British Manufacturing Podcast. On this week's show, we're going to tell you all about the latest manufacturing news from the UK sector, plus we have two special guests. We have news from Rolls-Royce, Lotus, GE, Kraft Heinz and so much more. And this week, we're delighted to welcome BAE Systems to join us on the podcast. My name is Joe Reynolds and I'm joined by my co-host, Stuart Whitehead. Before we welcome our guests, let's start with some positive manufacturing news. Stu, this week we broke a story about Heinz, and I'm pleased to say it's gone viral. It seems to be everywhere. Certainly has, Joe. Tomato ketchup is coming home. American-owned Kraft Heinz announced plans to invest £140 million at its Kit Green plant in Wigan, Europe's largest food production facility. The investment will be focused on further modernising the site over the next four years and bringing Heinz's Iconic source manufacturing back to the UK. Tomato ketchup and other sources were last made in the UK in 1999. And this is the American-owned firm's biggest investment in more than two decades outside of the US and is expected to create up to 50 new jobs. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? We, we heard about this beginning of the week and, and it's come to fruition, but a load of the broadsheets have had it. I see it was the front page of one of the, 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 the red top newspapers and it was on some of our, you know, some of the mainstream media outlets. It's great to see manufacturing finally in the public eye. Oh, certainly. And this follows news from Cadbury a couple of months ago that dairy milk is coming home as well. So hopefully there's a trend developing, Joe. Yeah, 100%. And Lotus, they've announced further details of their 100 million you know, investment program. There's, there's more good news coming out of Lotus. Yeah, incredible news. Um, the, the new Amira model has entered pre-production in Hethel, and Lotus has revealed further details of the substantial investments made in its UK operations. Quite a list here. Uh, here goes. This includes two new production halls at the British Marks Norfolk base, a new paint shop, a new assembly hall, a new fabrication facility in Norwich, a new learning academy, a new advanced technology centre in Warwickshire. The workforce at Lotus Norfolk sites at Hethel and Norwich has almost Double since October 2017 when Geely became the majority shareholder. With the launch of the, of the Amira, Lotus is creating more than 200 new roles and recruitment is now underway. Anything else? Crikey, that's some list, isn't it? <laughs> Nothing else at the moment, maybe next week. <laughs> uh, and GE Renewable Energy, they've submitted plans for a new blade factory in, in Teesside. It's, it, it's something we talked about a few weeks ago. In fact, Kwasi Kwartang touched on it last week too. There's a lot going on in the Northeast at the moment. Yeah, this is progressing that story that Kwasi mentioned, uh, as you say, last week. So plants have now been submitted for the new plant on Teesside and blades for the offshore wind turbines will be manufactured at the plant. First images of the new facility being released and this is going to be sited at the South Bank zone of the Teesework site. Blade factory will sit alongside a new one kilometre heavy lift key, which Tees Valley Mayor Ben Houchen, who will be on a future podcast, says we'll create the UK's premier location for offshore wind. The American-owned firm expects a huge development to create 750 direct jobs and support a further 1,500 across the UK's supply chain. Stuart, I'll stop you there and welcome our very special guests, Andy Schofield and Alex Griffiths of BAE Systems. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Hi, guys. So just to start with, can we talk about your respective backgrounds, really? Um, Andy, if you want to start. Yeah, no, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I've uh, joined the company uh, actually over 40 years ago. So I'm an uh, apprentice graduate within the organisation that's uh, probably had uh, you know, quite, quite a lengthy experience of a number of different uh, projects and different uh, experiences across the um, 
across my career, to be honest. Uh, and, and I've got to say, guys like uh, Alex uh, and, you know, in, in the early careers that are joining the company now, the, the, the journey that um, they're, they're going to be on, particularly when we, we look at the, the next generation aircraft and particularly Tempest, the journey of seeing that through concept development, through to manufacturing, through to, let's say, production and in service with the respective air forces is a, is a fantastic journey to be on. So that's been my experience um, on, on uh, projects like Typhoon Aircraft. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic thing to be involved with. And the things that we're doing now really give our graduates and apprentices a, a, a cracking uh, sort of basis really to, to build on, on 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 things like Factory of the Future, which I know we'll talk about in a bit more detail shortly. Thanks a lot, Andy. And how about yourself, Alex? So I, I joined as an apprentice as well, um, rather more recently, although still not 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 too recently, I suspect. Uh, I, so I joined, I was in the 2010 apprentice intake. Uh, so I joined with um, A-levels, but no manufacturing or engineering experience, which actually still put me ahead of many of my cohorts who had just GCSEs. Um, and, and I've been taken from there through uh, kind of full training, uh, hands-on NVQ qualifications, HNC and HND as part of the apprenticeship into a role um, doing manufacturing engineering on Typhoon Eurofighter. I ended up kind of going on from there to do a sponsored bachelor's degree in mechatronics. And I'm now uh, most of the way through a sponsored master's degree in artificial intelligence to help working on the Factory of the Future program and kind of future technologies. Yeah, incredible. Thank, thank you very much for that. But it seems, it seems an incredible place to work. So can one of you just give us, or both of you, give us a, a, just a brief overview of BAE Systems? Okay, so, so BAE Systems, uh, um, hopefully most people will, will be aware that uh, we're a large, um, major global defence uh, organisation that really, uh, I think is probably best described as uh, we engineer great products, we, we manufacture great products, and we also... Um, support those products when when they're in service. So uh, we, we so we often describe the, the organisation as a as a fantastic manufacturing uh, company, which is underpinned by world class engineering capability across the you know the aerospace industry. Really, there's there's a hundred years really of um, of, uh, of experience in the design and manufacture, particularly in our part of the uh, the business, which is the air sector, the design and manufacture of fast jets. Um, the, the company. Uh, in in, um, in in total, is probably just short of ninety thousand employees globally, forty different countries. Uh, it's sort of dominated our employees either within the US or within the UK, um, and within within that, we we work with you know many customers and many partners to um, to provide um, defence products, which range from naval ships to submarines to to uh, to air products to to land systems and uh, and a growing capability in cyber security uh, as we speak at the moment so uh, a, a vast range of um, of, of defense products um, globally uh, with, um, with 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 probably two-thirds of our organization really are um, um, experienced um, engineers qualified engineers so it's, it's a big engineering background that we have uh, and and we, we take great pride really uh, analysis already mentioned, you know, early careers and apprentices. There were when I started when when he started. We employ probably uh, every year, uh, you know, about three thousand uh, young uh, young people in the, in, in our train through our training areas, and um, probably in, in excess of you know eight hundred uh, apprentices and four hundred graduates that, that join uh, join the company each year. So it's a, a hotbed really of young talent coming through and the experience to be gained, and we've got a great balance, I think, of. You know, experienced employees and 
and uh, early careers that bring on a whole new sort of outlook on, on how we should do things, particularly from a technology point of view. Great summary. Thank you. And uh, fantastic to, to hear about your respective backgrounds. We've referenced, or you've referenced, Factory the Future Programme a couple of times. Could you please explain what that is and what it entails? Yeah, so um, so Factory the Future really is is um, if 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 we if we look backwards to all our major aircraft projects and um, and, and think about um, what what we've established and and we look at Typhoon Aircraft, which is is in service with the RAF, and it was. Uh, concepted really in the 1980s and went through a production program in the 1990s and went into service with the respective air forces in the early 2000. Um, prior to that, we 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 put in place. Um, we we knew we had to develop new new technologies, new capabilities because it was a it was a it was a, a fifth generation aircraft that that needed to. Uh, to be better than you know the, than the previous aircraft that we built. So every time we've introduced uh, new aircraft products, we've 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 had to demonstrate and show our advances really in technologies. And um, and in fact, the future is really looks at mm. how we establish those capabilities uh, in in the future. Um, and and when we look at other sectors, whether we look at transport and uh, pharmaceutical. And automotive and, and civil aircraft. If we look at all those uh, different sectors. The challenges within manufacturing are, are no different, really. It's, it's a lot of it's around productivity improvement. So how can we do things quicker and cheaper going forward compared to what we've done? And we've got some, like many organisations, we've got some world class facilities in place, particularly with our Typhoon uh, aircraft and, uh, and more recently with our F thirty five. Um, aircraft we've got some will really top class will cast facilities but we know that we have to move on from there and um and shift shift the paradigm as we call it and, and do things differently so so fact the future gives us the opportunity really to, to sort of lay the foundations for what the future would look like particularly when we move into our next sixth generation aircraft and the replacement of typhoon uh, which is known as tempest um which you know, looks to go into service in around 2035. So we're not too far off, really, from establishing that, that capability. And the fact of the future, although it's a physical area where we, we can introduce <coughs> new technologies and new ways of working, um, it's more of a, as a framework, really, of how we work with academia. We've got five strategic universities within the company that we work with uh, across the UK, and they all, they all bring... Um, Sort of new outlooks, really, to to what we should be working on, and uh, and um, sort of low low technology um, levels of maturity that that are things that may may be uh, useful in five, 10, 15 years time. So we have some great partnerships with the with our universities. We've got some great partnerships with the research centres within the UK, particularly the high value manufacturing catapult. Um, and um, and work very closely with those organisations, research centres. Uh, we also the fact of the future really also brings together our partnerships with um, small startup companies, um, um, SMEs, uh, supply chain, and blue chip companies as well. So if you think about um, who, um, who who's involved with our fact of the future and the numbers, we've got probably 50, 60 uh, different types of partners who bring all sorts of say different types of uh, perspectives on, on what and uh, on what we should work in not in some cases non not traditional aerospace companies either so that's really the outlook of it um 
it, it also brings in the, the Royal Air Force, so where the requirements of what we're trying to do come from, and that starts to really drive the manufacturing agenda. Um, so the Factory of the Future, I say, is, is a physical environment. It starts to, to bring together um, all the what are known as industrial digitization technologies such as anti-manufacture, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, um, data analysis, all those technologies really that we all know, again, depending irrespective of which sector you're in, uh, are all aimed at improving productivity. So, uh, and, and we're no different. So we've established uh, a, a facility in our, on our Wharton site in the Northwest. Um, and within there, we are demonstrating how we can integrate a number of these technologies and we get connected shop floor, connected factories, how we link with the supply chain, the use of things like 5G um, and all aspects of, uh, of, of machine learning and predicting what the future might be used by data analysis. So that's what the factory of the future looks like. And um, as a combination of who we work with, what we work on, and, and the physical demonstration of that and the use of, um, of robotics and automation, how, how they work in conjunction with, with humans. So shift, shifting the way we would normally see a factory, uh, a shop floor, look at uh, how, how it might look like. And if I just stand over to, to Alex, Alex is you know, part of the team and he's, he's working on specific uh, examples of connectivity and the Internet of Things, all those aspects that uh, are really say, fundamental to, to what the factory of the future will deliver. Yeah, absolutely. It's critical, I think, that we move away from the idea of a factory as uh, a great big room full of machines uh, and towards this idea that the factory is a machine, that, that all, all the components, um, be they be they people or be they operational technology like uh, robotics, milling machines, 3D printers, whatever else, it's all part of the same connected whole. So we need to be able to exchange data quickly and easily between them, which is a large part of my current focus in terms of getting things networked together, getting things talking the same languages, pulling data into central positions, uh, acting, uh, analyzing that data, and then getting kind of actionable insight and and potentially even automatic response from that data back onto the factory floor. That's a that's a really really critical part of how we see the factory of the future working. And and just to expand as well on something that Andy mentioned before, that BA systems, our success is from sitting at the middle of this massive web of suppliers, both of physical components, but also of expertise so the the kind of consortium projects and working with these these strategic partners it's the idea is you know the rising tide that lifts all boats that benefits everybody uh, you know ourselves included to share that expertise out with other uk businesses yeah that that was going to be my question really thanks for that you know replies but what's the end goal is it to make better cheaper aircraft or is it just to hope uh, help you know uk or maybe even global manufacturing as a whole the whole lessons really is that um, if, if you think about the next generation aircraft and um, the requirements of that, there's, there's with, with, without doubt, there's, there's always going to be an affordability uh, re requirement. And the time it took the, the previous aircraft from concept through to get um, to, to become into service with the, with the air forces, that time has, uh, has been drastically reduced. So um, we, we have a time constraint on our hands. So we have to look at how, um, how we can realise that challenge, uh, and, and obviously affordability is, uh, is is paramount in in probably everything that everybody does. So, but but also um, the, the you know the, we have other requirements, particularly on on, on the aircraft that um, that a factory of the future can can start to realise. How can the products in the future be more reconfigurable? How can they be upgraded in the future? How can they be maintained more easily? 
by the customers, and particularly on the Air Force base, as I've said. So it's a UK initiative. It's about realising the national agenda, as, as we've described it previously, around job creation, around um, supply chain, around keeping within the UK um, the ability to both design, engineer, manufacture and, and support uh, the products that are, say, are, are built in the um, in, in the UK. So it's, there's a national sort of prosperity agenda requirement on this. So, uh, and, and if you think about, uh, again, our supply chain, 70% of, of our current aircraft projects are, are in our supply chain. So it's important that you know, what we do within within BA Systems and, and the other Tempest partners, for example, it's important that supply chain uh, have the ability to go on that journey as well, uh, because it's quite you know easy in some cases for, for us as a large company to 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 have have a go at uh, working with academia, research centres, and uh, and suppliers um, and develop some of these fantastic methods. But we need to take the supply chain uh, on that journey. So initiatives such as Made Smarter that was introduced a few years ago as a, as a, as a major UK initiative from the government, that, that starts to address uh, how we can use new technologies and advanced technologies to not only help supply chain, um, help develop a manufacturing capability in the UK, but also develop the skills and leadership that's needed as we move forward, because we move into a different uh, a different phase, a different generation, really, from what we've had previously. So we talk about the engineer of the future. We talk about um, people being more aware, really, of, uh, of of data and connectivity and automation and all those aspects mm-hmm. that traditionally aren't things that we've we've taught. So um, a big part of what we do is the is the development of the skills, the skills of the future. So there's a lot when we talk about factory future. There's a lot covered by that terminology really it's not just as Alex said it's not just the the physical shop floor it's it's a lot of things that you just don't see that enable us to um to to provide that that future what we look like yeah I was going to say that it's fairly unique you know when you think of academia working this closely with industry obviously you mentioned um the the catapult centers but outside of that there's 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 very little and it must be fairly unique because presumably a lot of these projects you've mentioned robotics augmented reality cnc machining additive lots of other things presumably a lot of these projects will fail and you're after half a dozen gems yeah yeah and, and that, that that's it that's it you know we often use the terminology of, of fast fail so you know we, we set off with with, with targets and, and objectives and uh, it's okay to try things out we're not we're not pushing the boundaries if uh, we don't see some failures there uh, and it's it's really um a, a balance between the technologies that are available now and there are plenty of them that we can customize and, and and adapt and start to use in our current aircraft programs which we have done quite successfully so we've, we've, we've deployed a number of advanced manufacturing technologies and engineering technologies onto our typhoon aircraft for example and seen the benefits of that so the balance of, um, of taking those reasonably mature technologies and and the trick really is how you integrate them into a, into a current manufacturing system and then looking at things that maybe are three four five years away that we need to be more focused on and that's where the the, the, the catapult centers come in moving into those um those methods and technologies and ideas that uh, are maybe 10 15 years away which is where academia comes in so it's it's having the the the, the balance of the requirements that we have for what 
we're trying to do compared to the ideas that are being generated by you know by research students for example they said actually that might be a good idea so that's why we've developed the partnerships and the networks that we've got and and it's you know it's working really well we're seeing some great advances um that we've we can we've showcasing and and demonstrating our fashion the future but also um how we how we collaborate and partner and um and, and work with um you know with various organizations to get really the most efficient way of trying to solve the same problem in some cases sounds fascinating and so how fluid or flexible is factory the future are you bringing different experts and different partners in at different phases of the program yeah there's a number as you can probably imagine there's a lot of publicity that we've we've had and still receiving around what we're doing in in this generic terminology of factory the future and so a number of organizations you know, contact us and say they want to be part of that and they bring something slightly different um which, which is quite refreshing some organizations that we've they were, we've not you know experienced previously and you know the the, the non-traditional you know money aerospace or manufacturing organizations so gaming companies for example and uh and how, how we can use visualization methods and and particularly organizations that are very used to analyzing lots and lots of data that that you would you know, we would probably have not um, thought of before. So, depending on on what we're trying to do and and where we are in the life cycle, brings in either innovative thinkers that might um, give us some ideas through to as we home in on the idea and start to think, well, that's going to give us a real benefit. You start to then say, well, how do you then take that idea and put it into practice? Um, because there are, there's probably lots of good innovations out there, but when you try to actually implement it into a production system then it all becomes a bit a bit difficult so the good thing about it is you know we we know what what we're trying to do we know how that has to the challenges that we've got and we can set those challenges where previously probably research centers and i think and and, um, academia in the past might not have had the real challenge it's just let's work on something that you know might be uh, might be a good idea and it might be useful somewhere, but now we can be quite specific about um, what, what it is we're trying to do. And are you able to share your findings? Are you able to, to share your expertise with other industries, or is that commercially sensitive? Some of some of it, uh, it some of it uh, is specific to to what we're trying to do because it's, um, it's 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 related to the types of things we do. Uh, but in the main, a, a lot of the um, the output really of of what we're developing. I think I've mentioned before. You know, we we are working with other sectors, particularly in the this um, government initiative, the the May Smarter Government Initiative, which uh, brings in automotive, it brings in pharmaceutical, and the challenges really of that we face are almost exactly the same. It's it's how then how you apply it to the particular problem state problem area that you've got where where and that application really the integration of lots of these different methods that's where the, the intellectual property sits because that's the, that's the the trick of there's lots of things available but how you stick them all together is, is really where the knowledge is being generated um but working with we, we work to a point we all work together to a point where it becomes specific to so we, we work with with, with, with Nissan, for example, we'll we'll have some similar, very similar ideas, but when they become quite specific to their to their car production line, it will be their intellectual property that's you know specific to them, which is fine. But the the, the general ideas 
of um, of how we take some of these technologies that um, will get, provide an advantage. We you know we, we share all that. We we work together to try and solve the same problem. You know, I think we found in the past we've uh, we've probably all tried to solve problems ourselves, and it's become probably quite expensive to do that. So it's quite natural, really, to to nowadays to to start to collaborate and partner more on on what are the same the same challenges. I mean, certainly a good understanding of of mm. what the IP assignment coming out of a project will be is important to have established before you go into it but collaboration yeah. as a force multiplier is a really really powerful tool yeah absolutely yeah well yeah. fascinating jed so anything to add Stuart? no um learned a lot and uh, thanks so much for joining us today it's um it's been absolutely uh, fascinating i'm sure the listeners will appreciate it andy alex really do appreciate your time uh, keep up the good work and no doubt we'll catch up again at a later stage thanks again cheers okay all. Yeah, thanks a lot. So a great interview there with Andy and Alex. You know, BAE Systems, some business, isn't it? It certainly is. The, the scale of the operation is truly staggering, isn't it? A similar theme, Rolls-Royce have opened up their £90 million testbed in Derby. Really good to see this open. It certainly is. As you say, they've officially opened Testbed 80, the largest and smartest indoor aerospace testbed in the world. The facility has been designed to test a range of today's engines, including the Trent XWB and the Trent 1000, but we'll also have the capability to test the Ultrafan Demonstrator, the blueprint for the aerospace firm's next generation of engines. The completion of the project is a major milestone after almost three years of construction and a £90 million investment. And Stu Saker, they're building a £50 million factory in West Lothian. Fantastic for the area. Certainly is. Robertson will lead the construction of a new packaging production facility in West Lothian after being awarded, awarded an £18 million contract by Saker Group, which is establishing a £50 million plant in Livingston. The current building on the site, formerly a distribution centre for a leading supermarket chain, will be converted into a cardboard manufacturing facility as Saker aims to increase capacity and its customer offering. The main building will be retained and refurbished. Several extensions will be put in play, modifications to accommodate production equipment. Construction is due to complete in December 21, with Sakerpack intending to open the new site directly after completion. Yeah, 15 million, that's a huge investment. But the next story we've got here, it's nearly three times that. ETEX are building a new £140 million factory in Bristol. Yeah, continuing in the inward investment scene, we've had two American organisations. We've had a Spanish company, Saker. This is um, Belgian-owned construction materials manufacturer, ETEX. They have now secured planning permission for a new £140 million plant in Bristol. And this is the single largest investment in the firm's 116-year history. The huge expansion will significantly increase its production capacity in the UK to meet increasing global demand for its plasterboard solutions. Yeah, and the next story, uh, Nissan, the Nissan Qashqai, it's going to be made from aluminium following a, a large investment. This is something I, until this morning, I wasn't aware of. You know, tell us more. Yeah, the all-new Qashqai will be the Japanese car maker's first model built in Europe using a number of aluminium panels, as you say, following a £52 million investment at the Sunderland plant. The investment in aluminium production includes a second large press line, which was launched last year, and the Cyclone, a recycling facility that blasts scrap metal out at 150 kilometres an hour and can handle more than seven tonnes of metal an hour, ensuring less waste and a greener production process. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, they always are striving for better, aren't they, up in Nissan there? They do an incredible job. Uh, Dairy Partners, they're building a new factory in Gloucester. What have you got to say about this one? Yeah, we've been around the world, but now back to a family-owned British manufacturer. Um, Dairy Partners, manufacturers of mozzarella, string cheese, pizza cheese products, has appointed Pentadel to design and deliver its new HQ near Stroud in, in Gloucestershire. 
incorporating production, storage and log- logistics areas, as well as offices. The £15 million facility also provides scope for expansion with areas set aside for future production lines and new feeder equipment. Just to finish, we're going to finish on a high, aren't we? The UK manufacturing PMI is at a record high. It certainly is, and it's been incredibly well received on our social media platform this week. UK manufacturing PMI, as you say, searched for an unprecedented high of 65.6 in May. Record growth of new orders and employment supported one of the steepest increases in production volumes in the survey's near 30-year history. Yeah, just incredible. And it's a great way of finishing uh, today's podcast. Don't forget to download the MTD MFG app, which is available for iPhone and Android to get exclusive content. Thanks again to BAE Systems, my co-host Stuart Whitehand. And as always, my biggest thanks goes to you for listening at home. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Great British Manufacturing Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter using at MTDMFG and at Jefferson underscore MFG.